powered through the Alaska Airline Studios. This is Bump and Stacy on Seattle Sports. Streaming through the Seattle Sports app. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacy Ross. Here we go now. You know what, guys? I thought this was a good Super Bowl. Maybe not my all-time favorite. I loved uh, Super Bowl 52. Obviously, Super Bowl 48 goes without saying. But Super Bowl 58 had some great moments. Not a ton of them happened in the first half. But we're still going to figure out how this game was won and lost. So let's get to it with plays of the game from Super Bowl 58. We're going to get started with the San Francisco 49ers on offense to receive. And they're moving down the field. Uh, pass of 18 yards. 11, 11. That is until... Christian McCaffrey fumbles. McCaffrey's touched it on three of the first four plays. All for good yardage. They go back to him again. Ball is on the ground. The ball is out. Perloptis is there for Kansas City. The first signal is a chief recovery. It's a sloppy first quarter. We'll get to some more plays in a second. But uh, I'm not surprised at all they came out running it with Christian McCaffrey. No, he got to get his touches. And if you look at his final stats, he got his touches, led the team in rushing and receiving. Um, Not like Christian McCaffrey to put the football on the ground, but uh, the game was slow to start. All right. Well, Mahomes finds Mecole Hardman for a 52-yard reception. Mahomes rolls out. Going deep. Going deep. And it's caught at the 10-yard line. Mecole Hardman pulls it in. Finally, it's Mahomes targeting downfield explosive plays. Is this the Patrick Mahomes we were expecting to see in the Chiefs offense that we were hoping to see until Isaiah Pacheco fumbles on the next play? Sets him up at the nine. First and goal. Pacheco cuts it outside. Tries to do it a second time. And he lost the football. And the Niners are on it. Unbelievable play. That fumble was at the San Francisco nine-yard line. Yeah, if you are a Kansas City fan, this one had to hurt, oh. right? You feel like you're going to drive. Big play by Miko, am I, uh, Hardman, I should say. Uh, and Pacheco, he runs so hard. And I was telling my son before that, I go, he runs hard, but he runs a little high, man. So, um, But no, this was the reason why I love this game is because the first half was all about the defense. Then the second half, you start to see the offense kind of open up. Well, speaking of an offense opening up, the 49ers started digging into their bag of tricks. How about this trick play to Christian McCaffrey for a touchdown? Juwan Jennings, trick play. This ball's in the air for a long time. McCaffrey's able to pull it down, and he's going in for the touchdown. Juwan Jennings with a touchdown pass. Felt like it took forever to get there. I was really wondering if Juwan Jennings, if the 49ers won. Like, at this point, you're like, is he your MVP? Hey, <laughs> Jennings, way. only the uh, the second player in Super Bowl history to have a passing touchdown and a receiving yeah. touchdown. Big ups Nick Foles was the, uh, the first person to do it. But, yeah, at this point, you're looking at Jennings and saying, all right, you might get an extra check after this game if you uh, pull off this MVP. Now, this lets San Francisco pull ahead 10 to nothing. Would you say that you were thinking San Francisco was going to run away with this one? I was worried San Francisco would get ahead and then quite literally run away with this game. That being, like, their style of play. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I know. Goodness gracious. Well, then, of course, you get to the second half, and you think, okay, Chiefs, time to get back mm-hmm. in. This only a touchdown difference, and then Patrick Mahomes does this. Third and 12. Stepping up and lofts it. He is picked off. He overthrew a target, and Brown comes down with it. What did you see here? And importantly, you said that uh, the 49ers did something here that was a key to their loss. 
So tell me about both of those things it's in terms of not getting oh, points. Oh, you got yeah. you to get points off the turnover. But what happened is you got uh, Travis Kelsey going across the middle of the field. There is a receiver behind him. Somehow they got squeezed. So that allows that defender to play both routes. Boom, you pick it up. But you don't get any points. You have to make Pat Mahomes pay for his mistakes. They didn't do that. All right. Well, another mistake, and uh, the Chiefs actually uh, make them pay for this one. Recovering a muff punt in the red zone. It's a fumble, and it's a recovery by Kansas City. Now, you essentially just get back-to-back possessions here. Yeah, you you still won, essentially. And um, that's unfortunate because everyone's doing what they're supposed to do, right? I forgot who it was that was blocking for the San Francisco 49ers when the ball hits his foot. He's just blocking. His back is to the returner. He's trying to make sure there's some space. The returner's trying to alert. Like, look, Peter, 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 get away from the football. And Mm -hmm. then Luther tries to make a play on the football. At first, I'm thinking, why is he jumping on that ball? Because I didn't see the ball hit the player's foot. Mm -hmm. But uh, just a bad sequence overall for the Niners. Mahomes makes him pay. Trying to take the lead. Mahomes. Goes for it right away, wide open, touchdown, Valdez Scantling. The Chiefs have the first lead in the Super Bowl. They take a 13-10 lead, as you just heard, one play, 16 yards, four-second touchdown drive. Right there is when I felt it. I go, that Mahomes magic, you feel that? It's starting to happen right here. They needed to respond, and and they do respond, but uh, not enough. Now, the 49ers would have won this game if they would have made this one play. Extra point. Oh, my goodness. No. It is blocked. How big is that now? A three-point game. Yeah, the answer is pretty big because it allowed the Chiefs to eventually tie the game late, send it into overtime. But that would have been it. I mean, that would have been the difference. One point. It could have been, right? Um, Obviously, the Chiefs would have changed the way they approached the drive. But what we're saying is that you would force them to have to score a touchdown. Uh, but that didn't happen, man. They tied it up at 16. They tied it up at 19. All right. Well, uh, they tried it. San Francisco does take that 19-point lead thanks to this Moody field goal with less than two minutes left. Moody's kick. Oh, it's good. All the way. Wow, that was incredibly caught. As Bump mentions, uh, Kansas City able to get that field goal to send it into overtime with the 19-19 tie, in part because of this big pass, big play from Mahomes to Travis Kelsey. Third and seven. Kelsey, who else? Taking off inside the 20, down to the 10-yard line with nine seconds to go. We're about to head into overtime. Before we do, let's talk about how the regulation uh, regulation wrapped up, and that being Kelsey getting much more involved than he was. You mentioned both tight ends being kind of absent early. We saw plenty of Travis Kelsey late. Yeah, um, ended the game with, what, nine receptions for 93 yards yeah. after the first half. He had one target, one reception for one or two yards. You knew for this offense to create some big plays, Kelsey was going to have to get going. Mahomes making that happen. Now, this is what I think is interesting about both overtime possessions for these teams. They were both 13 plays. These were long, drawn-out drives, in part uh, because of some penalties like this McDuffie holding call that allows the 49ers to keep advancing. As Purdy takes it, drops back, throws, knocked down. That just came out of his hand, I think, a little awkwardly. Horn was moving forward. Well, there's a penalty. This is on the Chiefs, I think. They were holding it. looked like no one could tell. We're only going to field the incomplete pass. Prior to the pass, holding. That was pretty incomplete on third and 13. That would have been it. Yeah. <laughs> they would have had to punt. I mean, well, maybe they could have gone for a, uh, well, no, they couldn't have. Never mind. They're from their own 22. That would have been it. 
Yeah, that would have been it. You know, McDuffie has played so well this whole season. He's an all-pro type of dude. Big ups to all you UW fans out there supporting this guy. And I'm looking at that release, right? He, McDuff, McDuffie had his hips turned the wrong way. Boom, you stick outside, inside release. It was almost better that he held right there because if he didn't hold right there, could have been a bigger play. The key play moving down the field is Brock Purdy finding Christian McCaffrey for 24 yards on a second and six. It takes them into Kansas City uh, territory from the from midfield. They're now at the KC 26. You keep it moving with some small plays. Uh, you have San Francisco with a holding penalty that then they overcome uh, thanks to a great pass to uh, Kyle Juszczyk who picks up some yardage there. They get to third and four from the KC 9. Uh, Brock Purdy falls incomplete. Question. We all know what happens, but fourth and four from Kansas City's nine-yard line. Do you go for it? No, you got to take the points. And that's exactly what they do. They take the points. So uh, they take the overtime lead, 22-19. Now Patrick Mahomes is on the field. And uh, you have some small gains. You get to third and one, and then Mahomes uh, later in the drive uh, keeps it alive when you go nowhere and now are facing fourth and one. Comes down to this play with the game on the line. Jump off sides first. Mahomes has it. He's easily going to get the first. What happened here? Uh, good little triple option right there. You're reading the defensive end. If he crashes down, then Mahomes keeps the football. He also had a bubble to the right side of him. So if he didn't like um, his opportunity to pick up the first down, he also had the bubble right there. I think that was Nick Bosa. Just crashed down. Mahomes being the smart player that he is. This is where you kind of show where the game is slowed down for this dude, man. I'm, I'm, Makes the perfect decision in that moment. I'm going to go over a couple more plays. I don't have sound for them, so I'm just going to read through them. And if you want to say anything, right. uh, let me know, because I know you had a lot of notes for this final drive. Otherwise, we'll get to corn dog. Um, so uh, Patrick Mahomes converts it for eight yards, picks it up. Um, you have the Marquez Valdez Scantling going backwards, that one play. Oh, oh, oh. You see the sideline? <laughs> Chris Jones, what are you doing? <laughs> this is when I was like, oh, no, oh, no. It's finally going to come back to bite them. They made it this far, but ultimately they can't overcome the supporting cast. And yet, uh, I like that he targeted uh, Valdez Scantling again, though. Seven yards on the next play. He ain't got no choice. People yeah, are, that's true. You know, I mean, <laughs> I who was else you going to throw the ball credit. to? It's like, I got receivers out there running the plays. I know they have 44 <laughs> drops in the season, but you know what? Close my eyes, make a wish. I mean, that's Pat Mahomes, though. All year, yeah. he stood by his receivers. There was one incident where I saw on the sideline where I saw him, like, visibly frustrated right. with these guys. But when he's talking to the press, when he's coaching them up on yep. the sideline, it's all love. Um, the only conversion during this drive uh, that Mahomes uh, didn't pick up with his legs was still by his arm. Uh, third and six, and he found uh, Rashi Rice for 13 yards. I loved getting the rookie involved because you saw Rice kind of almost jawing at Mahomes earlier in the game, mm -hmm. upset that he was open on what would have been a touchdown and it ends up being a field goal. And I think that that play would have won them the Super Bowl because right. that was that last drive. So he finds him here. And I kind of like that he's that they're kind of, you know, working on that moving forward. Um, so then you have uh, the one play I want to get to before third and one Mahomes scrambles for 19 yards. Did this version of Mahomes surprise you or not? Nah, that's what he does. How yeah. many times have we seen him scoot down the sideline, barely picking his knees up, hips are switching, Dude, and those just hips. picking up 20 yards easily? I'm like, my man ran like a 4.847, but he finds a way. That's where measurements don't do his game justice. You're looking mm -hmm. at his 40, you know, whatever measurables you, you want to look at. You just put on the film, and he feels the game better than anybody in the NFL right now. Y'all uh, y'all ever been to the mall at like 8 a.m. Um, where it's open, but none of the stores are open? It's all old people walking around. It's mall walkers. It's a nice place to be able to like walk around and get your steps in. Mm -hmm. Mahomes walks like a mall walker, yeah. and I don't know how else to explain yeah. that. I've worked in the mall. I've seen the mall walkers <laughs> with my own eyes.
and and I love them. He's um he's competing. You ever watch those clips of the Olympic speed walking? That's <laughs> that's what swaying. Mahomes looks like. All right, Mahomes finds Hardman. This wins it for the Chiefs. First and goal. Mahomes flings it. It's there. Hardman jackpot. Kansas City. Most important play of the game. Tell us what you saw, Bob. Man, the same thing we saw against Philly. Right, you motion, I believe that was Hardman, right? Um, you motion him out that number one receiver spot. You hide him behind the number two spot. The corner sees that motion, assumes that he's going across formation. Now he shifts his responsibilities to that number two receiver. Because Pat Mahomes snapped it when he snapped it, it hit him. He disappears, and then he hits the flap, and it's open, man. It's too easy. I bet you Andy Reid got in this moment, and his heart rate was still the same because he goes, look, we got him. We're prepared for this. The same way we were prepared for overtime with the rules, we're going to be prepared for this situation down here inside the red zone, man. So, um, yeah, good call, good execution. And big ups to Harvey, man. You got cut by the Jets. I cannot stress this. One of the worst teams in the NFL. You got cut by the Jets, and you're scoring the game-winning touchdown in the Super Bowl. Good for him. I love that for him. It's also now the seventh longest game in NFL history. Uh, and, you know, for a Kansas City Chiefs offense that was really struggling all year long to not only score points, but to be effective with a lack of weapons compared to years previous, they end this game with 455 net yards. Man, yeah. there was one point where, you know, we thought this was going to be a low scoring um, defensive battle. And and honestly, I appreciated that about this game is because you got a little bit of everything, right? You got the defenses playing at a high level. You got mistakes on special teams. You got quarterbacks putting drives together. Let's not let's not sleep on what Brock Purdy did too. Yeah. now. Brock Purdy didn't lose this game. He obviously didn't win it either, but he also put together drives to keep this team in the game when they needed it the most. He goes 13 plays, 66 yep. yards. Didn't score a touchdown, but you put up a field goal. When they needed him earlier in the game, he goes 12 plays, 75 yards. Um, You got everything. You got quarterback play. You got defensive battles. Special teams were suspect at times. Uh, This was a fun game, man. Defensive linemen making Mm -hmm. impact plays. Nick Bosa doing his thing. Uh, Chris Jones crying before the game, then having himself a deal. We got a little bit of everything here, man. One of the most fun Super Bowls I've watched. Truly. San Francisco ends up um, not controlling time of possession. They did win time of possession, but it was pretty close. I mean, both teams ended up with six penalties, a little more yardage for Kansas City, two turnovers apiece, two touchdowns apiece. Uh, They were uh, 100% on field goals in regulation. Well, actually through the entirety of the game. Um, I mean, it was a pretty even matchup. Uh, And like you said, Brock Purdy played a great game. The difference truly was I hate to come back to it every time. Patrick Mahomes. Pat Mahomes and the Niners not capitalizing yeah. on their mistakes. Yes. Really They're good too point. that Chiefs defense is too good and Pat Mahomes is too poised to give them extra possessions and not apply pressure when you need it the most. You all saw Travis Kelsey get in the face of Andy Reid. Both men have since talked about that interaction. We're getting to that in the timeline right now. Let's get to four down territory. This is four down territory going inside the game. What former Seahawks and Coug wide receiver Michael Bumpus. First down bump. Where does last night's Super Bowl now rank in your Super Bowl experiences? All right, so now if you're older than me, don't come for me, okay? Uh, My bad. I only remember like the last 25 to 30 Super Bowls, Fair. okay? 
Like, I know there were some, I know some there Super are Bowls others. in the early 90s and 80s and 70s. I get it. But just from what I remember, I went back 25 years because that's honestly when I really got into football um, when I was about 12, 13 years old. And, of course, you got Seattle against the Broncos, right? You can't you cannot put that up there. But then you also have Atlanta against New England. Uh, familiar foe over yeah. there, a familiar name, Kyle Shanahan. The only other overtime game in Super Bowl history. That was a great one. And then you got Philly versus New England, the Nick Foles, Philly special type play. That was a great one. Also, you got Pittsburgh against Arizona. People sleep on this one in 2009. That was a good one. one. Larry Fitzgerald, not known for his speed, also had a huge reception in that game. I believe it was like 65, 75 yards. And then also, I love the Ravens against the New York Giants back in the early 2000s. Just dominance by the Baltimore Ravens, man. I look at this, and it's thrown in there. I was going to try to rank them. I just can't do it, right? Mm -hmm. Because every other Super Bowl has its own type of flavor and style to it. But this one was fun for the reasons that I just mentioned, man. You got a little bit of everything, man. You had an opportunity for Pat Mahomes and those guys um, to not seal the deal and to do it against Kyle Shanahan, who they beat in 2019, who uh, struggled in 2016 when it comes to that overtime loss. I feel for that guy, Kyle Shanahan, but those have been my favorites so far, man. In my uh, my 38 years on this earth, I've probably been really into about 25, 30 years. Um, it's been great, man. But this one is an instant classic to me. Now, this isn't one of your four downs, so I'll, I'll, I can add it here. Can I guess that Rams, Pats uh, was one of your least favorites? That was one of the most boring Super Bowls. Yeah, that was boring as heck. That was horrible. That was boring as heck. Second down. Andy Reid solidified himself as one of the greatest coaches of all time. Who else on his staff needs some love? The DC. Spagnolo. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. I, 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 OG in the game. And I'm watching this dude. He's got four Super Bowl championships now, the most um, uh, by a coordinator. Right in 2008, you got the Giants win. He had the number eight ranked defense overall. The Chiefs, he's got three, the number seven, sixing, and second overall ranked defense. I think coordinators need more love. Mm -hmm. Of course, you're going to look at Andy Reid and Pat Mahomes and say, look, this is one of the best duos of all time. But you look at what this team did to get to this point. Yes, Pat Mahomes had to have his moments, but that defense was on point all year. And all Spagnuolo does is win. Uh, And People aren't going to remember him, I would say, four, five, six years from now when you talk about this team. You're going to talk about the offense. You'll talk about the defense, but you'll talk about the personnel. I just think this man deserves some love, man. He has the most Super Bowls as a coordinator. He's turned this defense around. The defense had to hold this team down. The defense was like, look, we'll get you to the playoffs, but then we need you to take over. That's exactly what happened. So uh, get that man some love. Why do you think the defense has been solid uh, wire to wire? I mean, week one, Mm -hmm. you know, to later. Why do you think the defense hasn't gotten as much love as they deserve? Because it's how we identify what identity we give the Chiefs. And naturally, when you have the offensive success they've had over the past few years, um, you look at them and you think of them as an offensive team. And you go, look, well, it's because of Pat Mahomes. But when you really break it down, yeah. you, you look at uh, Snead. You look at McDuffie. You look at Chris Jones. Their linebackers over there have been playing great as well. That defense held it down. But when it's all said and done, this is why you pay Pat Mahomes 50-plus million. Mil- said mil- million. Excuse million. Me. Million. Third down. What's something said by Travis Kelsey that was used as motivation, but, and I love this, just isn't true? I mean, my man is saying, oh, they doubted us. Uh-huh. We heard all y'all talking. And I go, yeah, Travis, there's a reason people were doubting y'all. All right. Yeah. The lowest ranking offense in the Mahomes era. 
You had losses to the Broncos 24-9, the Raiders 20-14. You guys were the worst you've ever been in the red zone. All right, They were the worst they've ever been on third downs. And uh, statistically, Mahomes and Kelsey have their worst years. The reason why people are doubting because they're looking at the way they're performing and saying, I don't know if they can do this. They can sustain this 44 drops the most in the NFL. I don't know if this defense can do enough to help these guys out. And then there are still some questions. Can Pat Mahomes go on the road and win? Now, I think that was blown out of proportion. If you can win, you can win. If you're great, you're, you're great. And that's what Pat Mahomes is. But there are some things that we saw from this team during the regular season and some challenges we saw getting into the playoffs that we're like, look, this might be the year where they can get got. So I understand athletes using that as motivation keep a chip on your shoulder all that good stuff but also i think they should have flipped it and been like we just overcame so much we knew that we weren't the favorites instead of being like oh you guys doubted us we told you there's a reason why people doubted you it's not just because of chiefs hate now there is some chiefs hate out there and some people just gonna hate on the chiefs because mm-hmm. that's what happens when you win but there were reasons for people to believe that this team was not going to do it this year that makes this win that much greater i would lean into that more than pointing the finger and saying oh everyone doubted us. Yeah. We told you, Kelsey, you had your worst year in like seven seasons. Mahomes had had his worst year as a pro. It, it makes sense why they were doubting. Also, I think by m- in most sports books to begin the season, they were the betting favorites to win the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So it's like, even with a bad statistical season, people were like, ah, I can't count them out, though. Yeah. <laughs> That's Still the epitome of out. having faith. Yep. Fourth down. What did you make of Brock Purdy's performance? Man, I thought he played well. I, I Obviously, he got outperformed by the MVP, Super Bowl MVP. Uh, but I look at Brock Purdy, and I don't think people understood the pressure he was under. He was only sacked one time. But if you watch that pocket, he's moving in the pocket. It's being collapsed. He's keeping his eyes down the field. I thought he played well enough to win this ball game. And I think that's all you were looking for when it comes to the performance of Brock Purdy. 23 of 38, 255, one touchdown, was sacked one time. Um, he seemed calm and composed. There were some throws that he missed. There's some throws in the dirt. There were some throws that were high. But he also hit Connolly a couple times on the sideline, and it was nice. He also hit Ayuk uh, across the middle uh, during some clutch times, and it was nice. Overall, this offense didn't do what uh, we thought it could do. Mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey had to be the leading receiver with 80 yards, the leading rusher with 80 yards. But when it was all said and done, Brock, Brock Purdy did enough to win this game. He just went up against a better quarterback who is uh, well-versed in the clutch situations that he was in. So I tip my cap to Brock Purdy. He's an NFL quarterback. He should be mentioned amongst the elites in this league. Top five, six, seven quarterbacks in the game. Let's see what he does next year. But, um, I mean, I think that was something that people wanted to see, right? How was Brock going to do yeah. in this moment? I thought he did just fine. Did you, speaking of Christian McCaffrey, expect them to run the ball a little bit more? The 49ers still finished with over 100 yards on the ground. They had 110, but that was on 31 carries, which is three and a half yards per carry. That's not horrible. It's just not great. Um, I'm a little bit surprised. I expected them to just really, really, really be ruthless against a Chiefs defense that had struggled against the run. Um, and I I don't know. I mean, it's still 22 attempts for Christian McCaffrey, but it's not. it wasn't as effective as I thought it would be, I guess. No, it wasn't. I thought that would be the Achilles heel for yeah. Kansas City. And you say that because the Chiefs gave up 
a game, 137 on the ground, yeah. 140 on the ground. Their last game was 80 yards on the ground, so they tightened it up a little bit. But you're looking at matchups and saying, all right, if they're not good at stopping the run, you're going to lean into it. But uh, it was hard for the Niners to get to the edge, and I think that's what they've done mm. best with uh, with Chris McCaffrey and that gang over there, getting to the edge and expanding the defense one way uh, once you cut the edge and hitting that that cutback. Just weren't able to do it this uh, this week, man. That D-line stepped up when they needed to in the Kansas City Chiefs. So, yeah, not the approach or not the results that we thought. When you rushed the ball 31 times, you definitely didn't ignore right. the run. Right. But uh, not the success that we thought they were going to have. I guess that's what it is. I thought that would just be – I thought that would win the game for them and they would just lean into it over and over right. and over. And it's like you're, – you're exactly right. To your point earlier in this segment, credit to Steve Spagnolo for knowing exactly what the recipe was going to be for Kyle Shanahan and – Effectively slowing it or limiting it. Steve Spagnuolo, the greatest coordinator right? in NFL history. That's bold. I know it's bold. Nah, but he, that's okay. he, he got the most Super Bowls. I don't know if he's the greatest, but give Travis, him some love. <laughs> Travis Kelsey got in the face of his head coach during the Super Bowl. It became not only the meme of the night, but we also heard an explanation from both men afterwards. Don't go anywhere. That's next. This is The Timeline with Bump and Stacy. Brought to you by 1-800-DUIOA. It's the timeline on Bump and Stacy reading you the top stories you're going to see and hear about on your own timeline. Of course, this one made it to your timeline. It's the number one meme to come out of the Super Bowl. Travis Kelsey gets in the face of his head coach, Andy Reid. This is early on in the Super Bowl. Things are falling apart. There's all kinds of mistakes. Travis Kelsey getting fired up, yelling at Andy Reid. Travis Kelsey, after the game, explained his outburst. When you and Andy Reid had that, what I call a very engaging conversation. Oh, you guys saw, you guys saw that? What was the conversation well, about? Was there it? were a few cameras. I mean, was it? Hey, I need the ball. I can help us win. What was that about? Uh, man, it was. Uh, I'm going to keep it between us unless my mic up tells the world. But uh, I was just telling him how much I love him. Oh, it's going to tell the world. Let's get to what Andy Reid had to say. Was Travis giving that speech on the sideline when he ran into you oh, in the yeah. first half? No. <laughs> yeah. So, the balance looked good. Yeah, not so good. He touched, touched that hip out. Yeah. yeah, I know. It's like JB's so, got a new hip, too. Yeah, man. I'm you, you, you took a good hit right there, but, but that's how you guys communicate sometimes. Well, he caught me off balance. Like, normally, I'd give him a little bit, but you know, <laughs> I didn't have any feet under me. Now, Bumps, some people were just joking about this, you know, right. writing like different things that they thought Travis was saying. Other people were taking it really seriously. How'd you see it? Um, here's the thing, man. You don't know anyone's relationship, right? Like, I could probably joke with you more than a different friend who's a bit more sensitive about some stuff, right? You understand who you're working with and you just don't do those things. I think that that just shows the relationship that those two have. Now, to the average person, a person who probably never played football or a physical type of sport, you're looking at that, you go, the disrespect. <laughs> My goodness. Bench him. Like, yeah, bench him. You know what, Travis? You're sitting out the next series. Nah, this is the Super Bowl. Travis could have really bumped him hard and made him stumble. I guarantee you Travis is still going to be in that game. Yes. Because ultimately you're trying to win the game. It's kind of like I'm going to respond to this text 253. And I'm not even like talking crap to you 253. I'm just using this as an example because it makes sense. Kelsey was disappointing. Anger management problems, prima donna complex, not cool. I imagine any of the man. I can't imagine any, any of the Mariners yelling and pushing Scott Service around looking forward to baseball. One, this is football. Yeah. It's, it's way more intense than football. Emotions are high. You have heated conversations. 
Two, I don't think Travis Kelsey was necessarily trying to run into the guy. He's just intense. Put me in the game. Like, you need me in this game. And Andy Reid saying, all right, man, calm down. Get back over there. We got this under control. Um, I think that it's a bad look. I think that if you don't factor in relationships and just football and the mm-hmm. intensity or whatnot, you can look at it and say, how disrespectful. But listen to their conversations about it. Now, if they would have lost this game, then it would have been an even bigger deal. But uh, I have no issue with it. I think that um, Andy Reid will probably say to him, hey, don't run up on me like that again, though. Mm-hmm. You know, But it's uh, things happen, man. It, it's, it's funny how people expect everyone to have their emotions in check especially when you're playing on the biggest stage in this country in the Super Bowl. Things like that are going to happen. If they're good, I'm good with it. Well, and you have to think, I'm not, um, I do think it's uh, disrespectful. I think it's not wise. Uh, but the Super Bowl is not a place to teach a lesson. If I'm Andy Reid, there's zero chance I'm benching. He could have yelled worse things, and I still yeah. would have thought in my head, like uh, like you do with, um, you know, maybe your, your partner or whatever, your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever, uh, where you're like, we're talking about this later. Right, <laughs> exactly. That would have been me as Andy Reid. We'll talk about this later, but for right now, I do need you to go out and get a touchdown. You know what you do? You get on the 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 horn with Matt Nagy and be like, man, can you calm Travis down? Yeah. Like, we need him this next series. He's amped up. Exactly. But, like, Travis is so important to that offense. He uh, recognizes that. And also, does anyone look at Travis Kelsey and think for a second he's not clearly an emotional person? Yeah. Like, that entire family is just, like, that's just who they are. And that's honestly, like, it's not making an excuse. Football players, many football players are just emotional people that have outbursts and that say things. It's, it's. I'm not comparing it at all, but it does... Uh, trying to explain what emotion is like when you have adrenaline tied to a big moment is like after the NFC Championship where um, Aaron Andrews goes up to Richard Sherman seconds after right. a play ends mm-hmm. and he feels like this, you know what I mean? Of course he's going to be, you know, like yelling and of course he's going to be fired up. This moment just ended. Like there's adrenaline coursing through everyone's bodies. You have to play this game with enthusiasm. You cannot fake it in football. Yeah. Uh, all right, next story in the timeline. Um, let's go to Usher's halftime performance. Uh, first of all, what did you guys make of it? It did not have the opening that we thought it would. No, I thought it was, uh, you know, we 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 uh, we put our song out there. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was cool. I thought it got better and better and better. It started off kind of slow. And uh, I'm sitting there, <laughs> I'm watching a game with my buddy, who is one of the smartest dudes I know. He, like, works for NASA, right? And he goes, I can't believe they're letting them on the turf. I go, you're right. All that stomping and spinning on the playing surface. So at first I was concerned. I go, you're right. Why are they letting them on this turf? But as... As the performance went along, it got better and better. He started bringing people out. Yeah. Only, only knock I have. I get his entertainment, but I'm like, Alicia Keys is married, bro. Like you, <laughs> you get yeah, behind get those her hands off and hold really her did. like that. Like I mean, Swiss Beast was cool with it. He, he sent out a tweet and it's all good. But you know, I'm like, be careful. They man. warned you before. It's rated you, uh, <laughs> and it may cause problems in relationships. So they gave you that warning before. I thought it really took off uh, when they got to you got it bad and her came out and then she had the electric guitar moment mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and then they started doing um, oh my god they had the skates and everything that's when I thought it took off yeah. that's when I was like okay like now they're really getting into it this is when it's becoming more of a production and really solid before that it was fine but if I were someone who uh, didn't know many Usher songs I'd be like eh it's not doing anything Right. once they started bringing out different appearances lots of dancing is happening the roller skates and you're wondering if someone's gonna fall they're doing all kinds of crazy things that's when i was like if i Somebody didn't did fall. Did fall. yeah that's true that's when i was like if i didn't if i wasn't a huge usher fan i'd still probably be entertained by this yeah. but yeah. Uh, i also liked someone tweeting uh 
I'm finally at the age where I'm the target demo for the halftime show. Yeah. And let me tell you what, anyone in their 30s and older, probably mid-30s and older, congrats. Yeah, <laughs> we had to sit through uh, halftime shows where like Paul McCartney. And I never got it. Who, Every time I hear Rolling Stones. Yeah, when I saw um, Beyonce and Shakira, which I thought Bruce was a great halftime show, mm-hmm. and then you had Bob complaining about it. I was like, well, yeah, because every halftime show he's used to loving is like someone playing a guitar. Yeah. But that's the target demo. It is. And finally I'm in You're it. You're here. How, We're here. How, how long are we here? Forever until we die. No, ten years. I would say I want to know if anyone listening is over sixty-five and if they genuinely enjoyed it. Yeah, please. I'm text guessing him. mid-sixties is where you start to. What say? Huh? Yeah. Wait. Oh, who's who this guy? Yeah, you go back to wondering who it uh-huh. is. It's people in there. It's over sixty-five, under twenty-five, who are both at the same time. Like who? <laughs> <laughs> who is this? Uh, good show overall. Uh, last story in the timeline. The Seahawks hire Brian Grubb and Scott Huff was apparently spoiled. Multiple fans who snapped pictures of them at Dino's Pub in Renton. I am shocked this doesn't happen more often based on how often people are at Dino's yeah, Pub. Yeah, you're going to see some Seahawks and, and Seahawks, yeah. mem- uh, Seahawks front office members there. I've, I've, I've walked into Dino's. I've seen uh, journalists. I've seen coaches. I've seen players. I mean, Dino's is a spot. Big ups to Dino's, man. They always take care of your boy in there, too. Uh, all right. We are going to, let's see what we're going to do here. Um, we're going to go college ball. Uh, we're going to have on Yogi Roth at noon. I know it's the day after the Super Bowl. We got a lot of stuff to have. We got Seahawks conversations to have. Um, but obviously, uh, there is a new Seahawks OC. That Seahawks OC was just at Washington, technically Alabama, but, um, Yogi Roth knows him well and knows that coaching staff well. And we're very curious to ask him how he thinks that transition is going to work for Ryan Grubb. So, before we get to it, let's have this separate conversation. How does the hire of Ryan Grubb impact Seattle's draft plans? There's an obvious tie into Michael Penix we're going to talk about, but that's not the only name to keep an eye on. And no, Roma Dunze is not the other name. We're watching all of that coming your way next. Bumpin' Stacy, Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studios. On Seattle Sports. Here are your hosts, Michael Bumpus and Stacey Ross. You know what we haven't even talked about yet with the Super Bowl, and this is shocking because it's like one of the primary talking points, the commercials. Did anyone yeah. have anyone that, or anything that stood out? I, I was shocked uh, that um, Verizon uh, could pay uh, Beyonce. <laughs> right? Yeah, I was shocked me. The Beyonce one was big. Let me say, uh, there were some churches who spent a lot of money on mm-hmm. some ads. Uh, Jesus was everywhere Jesus in the commercials. Jesus got deep pockets. And uh, I actually wrote this down. Reese's commercial was my favorite. Uh, I forgot exactly what, what the plot was, but it was, uh, I don't know. Check out the Reese's commercial. You guys, if you remember, obviously it wasn't that great because mm-hmm. I don't remember, but I mm-hmm. did write it down. But I wrote Reese's commercial favorite so far. I liked, uh, the. I mean, the Beyonce one, she wasn't like a great actress. It wasn't that funny, but just by virtue of, oh my God, what is that actual Beyonce? Um, I like the Dunkin' Donuts one. Oh, was with J-Lo? funny with everyone. Yeah. J Lo, Ben Affleck, uh-huh. uh, what's Tom his, Brady. Yeah, t- just everyone in it. You were like, oh my God, uh, Dunkin' with How about, uh, the pockets. Tyler Lockett. On the uh, YouTube TV commercial. I yeah. didn't see that one. Yeah. I must, I it was so the they had all the bird teams, the Eagles, Ravens, and Seahawks, I think, were featured in it. Mm-hmm. I think the Cardinals, to a lesser extent, they had players in uniform flying like south. And at one point, Tyler Lockett in the commercial actually let out a like a caca. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. Oh, I love that. <laughs> 
Uh, yeah, other people liking the Dunkin' Donuts one, uh, too. That's the, Those are the only ones that I really remember. I mean, other ones were like, were fine, but I always remember funny ones or ones with crazy, like, A-list celebrity appearances. Yeah. Like, those are the ones that stick out to me. You know who made some money? Dan Marino was on, like, three commercials. Dan Marino was making his money he with three different products, too. Cleaning up. Uh, all right. Ryan Grubb reportedly Seahawks' new OC. What's it mean for the Seahawks' draft decisions? They have pick number 16, the only pick in the first two rounds. Now, you would think that John Schneider would trade back, but there's going to be some really tempting options there. We've all talked about Michael Penix, you know, whether Grubb coming to Seattle means mm-hmm. they could reach for him. But how about this? Um, Pro Football Focus College Edition has the Seahawks in their mock draft taking it at number 16. Washington offensive tackle Troy Faltanu. Yeah, who would probably get moved to guard because he's a bit undersized at that position. You look at who the Seahawks have at guard. Damian Lewis is a free agent this year. You got to figure out what you're going to do with him. Then you have Anthony Bradford at one spot who you drafted last year. I'm looking at and I go, I wouldn't be mad at that pick. Even if you were to sign or draft him and still sign Damian Lewis, it just gives you more depth at that offensive line spot. We know that we need that there. The real question is, how much influence is Grubb going to have on the possibility of drafting Michael Penix? I don't think much. I think that it's more, tell me what you know about Penix. Mm -hmm. In case he falls later in the second round, which you don't have a second round pick, or maybe you, you move up into the second round, you need a guy. It's more just... Let me know everything about this kid so that we can make an informed decision if it comes down to that. I don't think Penix is going to be drafted at 16. I don't think Grubb is walking in demanding that Penix is drafted at 16. I think he looks at Geno and says, I can work with that. And sometime during this draft, I expect him to grab a quarterback. I just don't know if it's going to be Penix. So uh, it's more informative. There's no demands being made. There's no, hey, we should go this direction. Grubb is... I feel like I should be like, look, I'm just here to work. Whoever you guys throw out there, I got you. If you got questions on any of these UW guys, I can help you. I think it's very natural, and this happens every single season. Every single time we talk about the Seahawks draft picks, you see people understandably talking about the local team. The, the closest team is going to be Washington, and they go, well, what about this guy? What about this guy? And sometimes you look and you go, I don't know if Jake Browning's going to be a first-rounder. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And then other times you look and you say, well, wait a minute. One thing that makes this – year's class uh, and this year's draft interesting is it's one of the better classes offensively that Washington has been putting out. And so there's some temptation there that's, you know, when I see people go, well, could Michael Penix be a fit? What about Troy Fautanu? What about all these other guys? I go, I wouldn't mind it. Like, I don't, I'm, I'm on the fence about Michael Penix, but like would not mind Troy at all. No, not at all, especially with, uh, you know, what's been happening with the offensive line. And say what you want, we know there's been some struggles, but the Hawks have done a good job drafting O-line the last couple of years, man. You got some tackles, got a couple guards, um, a guard in a center, and then, what, three, four years back, you got Damian Lewis at that guard spot. You could be on the verge of having a, a, a group of five who are together for three or four years, and that's what the good offensive linemen do, right? You have three or four guys on that five-man offensive line who have been together for mm-hmm. a while who understand each other. So there's an opportunity here. I wouldn't mind them drafting that kid at number 16. Um, But if you're Ryan Grubb, you're getting into this situation. One, I would assume he's extremely thankful. The the climb that he's had over the past five to ten years to where he is now um, has been great. And big ups DeBoer for for bringing him along and Grubb for performing when uh, he got an opportunity at the University of Washington. But I think he's looking at this as an opportunity, and I'm going to coach up whoever we got here. That's one of the reasons why you leave college football, because you don't have to worry about recruiting and and traveling the country and trying to influence guys to get here. You have a full uh, department dedicated to scouting these guys. 
Are you going to watch film on dudes? Most definitely. But you're going to be assigned. Are you watch film on these four or five guys. You tell me what you think. But we're going to make the decision. You're going to be in the draft room together. Um, you're going to be looking at the process. And that's, again, one of the disadvantages of having first-time guys is they're going to be in the draft room for the first time. Like, where do I stand? Mm-hmm. Like, where do I put my pencil? Do I sit here? Like, what do we do in between the picks? Those are some of the things that they're going to learn along the way. But thankfully, you got Frazier. you got John Schneider to lead them. So, how big of an influence does Grubb have on Michael Penix? I don't think much at all because I think that Schneider already has a plan um, of how he wants to attack the draft. And him and Mike McDonald have already been working together for a couple of weeks now. Grubbs is going to hop in and fill in the blanks and let you know what these players are good at and what they struggle with. Now, you do want to make sure that you trust your coordinators because both you and I, uh, and I'm sure any of the other hosts, any reporters, have heard tales of certain players who were drafted because you know a coordinator really really pushed for him and sometimes those players don't end up being the best and that coordinator ends up being gone so you're like okay well if you're gonna let your coordinators have input you know this needs to be a coaching staff that you trust that you want to keep around because the last thing you want is to move on from a coordinator and have wasted an early pick like a day one day two pick on someone who is clearly not a great fit for you yeah and and the Hawks are in a different position too, man. It's not like they are like desperate to to turn this team around right now. You might be thin at some positions at linebacker, um, maybe at edge. You might want a guy there. Safety, you're trying to figure out what's going on there. But the Hawks aren't going into this draft and in desperate need for a 180. Mm-hmm. It's like all right, let's 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 turn the corner a little bit. Let's get better at some things. But there are some good places or good pieces um, that are already in place right here. So. Their their approach is a, is a bit different. If this were the Washington Commanders, if this were um, another bottom feeder team, and you need to hit on every single one, man, you might have a, a powwow at the table. Talk about all right, guys, like we can't mess this up. Yeah, I would assume it's a bit different over there in VMAC because you have stars at important positions. Now you got to get depth, but. Um, I don't imagine it being frantic in that draft from this year. No, I mean, when I think of, like, where you do need a playmaker, like you need someone who is someone you don't have now, Yeah. I look at defense, and I think, LBs. like, I just think you don't have as good of personnel there as the mm-hmm. best teams in football. Like, you do need that difference maker, and I understand the argument that Mike McDonald, um, you know, did a lot with a defense that wasn't full of all pros and pro bowlers in Baltimore, but they those are dogs. That's though. the thing. They've Ooh. still got really good guys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can only use the Jadavion Clowney time or example so many times before you go like, well, they they also had a bunch of dudes. Um, but uh, but that's where I see like needing personnel with offense. There's temptation to get your quarterback. There's uh, temptation to fix your offensive line. But like, I still believe that unit could have been better than they were last year oh, with yeah. the exact same guys for sure. Stay healthy on that offensive line, and um, Gino perform a bit better. This is a playoff caliber team for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, well, let's figure out what Yogi Roth thinks about Ryan Grubb and his transition to the pros. That's coming up next.